1: Today is May 2nd, 2022, In our first story, the media is pushing the new Elon Musk shadow crew conspiracy theory that powerful insurgent elites are trying to buy their way into politics. Joe Biden's looking forward to it. He's hoping that Elon Musk will bring back Trump and they will be able to use him as a boogeyman in the midterms. In our next story, CNN and others on the left are now calling for government regulation of social media because they're losing power. Surprise, surprise. In our last story. Over in Ukraine, the government has begun arresting dissidents who are posting memes in support of Russia. It's a difficult question. They're at war. How would you handle it? If you like the show, leave us a good review and give us five stars. Share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. What would you say if I were to tell you that an elite group of international billionaires... We're plotting to usurp political discourse in the United States. Take control of our means of communication and try and implement their version of American democracy. You would say, surely you're nuts. There's no such cabal of elites and billionaires controlling everything. And you'd be completely right. Unless you're talking about Elon Musk. Oh, well, in that instance, there is a shadow crew of billionaires who are bending the Tesla CEO's ear. And trying to put him in control of these systems to reshape political discourse in this country as to how they see fit. Oh, this from The Wall Street Journal, talking about the shadow crew who encouraged Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. I think it's funny that if it's Elon Musk or Peter Thiel, it's a grand conspiracy. But if you talk about, I don't know, George Soros, who does spend tons of money in politics, it's a conspiracy theory. The reason it's conspiracy theory is because only one side has control of the institutions. So perhaps we who believe in a counter narrative should be happy that billionaires are taking over. Not so much. There's definitely a lot of good happening with Elon Musk. And I think it's great that he wants to bring back free speech and have a good time on social media. But there are some pitfalls. In fact, the Democrats are actually kind of happy about what's going on. They've got a new boogeyman, Elon Musk. These billionaires, all of a sudden CNN and these other outlets are complaining about how we need to regulate speech and we can't let these billionaires just take over, allowing Democrats to once again try to realign against private industry. Because the longest time as these industries were in their pocket, they were saying, ah, it's a private company that can do what they want. But now that Elon Musk steps in, oh, here we go. It's a shadow crew of elites who are trying to control public discourse. The Democrats are, are hopeful. Elon Musk is going to allow them to create a boogeyman. So as we move into the midterms, they've got a villain. But they're also hoping that Elon Musk brings Donald Trump back. And it seems like he probably will. But of course, Donald Trump says he's not going to come back to Twitter and he's going to stick around and stay over at Truth Social. The truth really is the economy is really bad. Joe Biden is currently under fire for laughing. Trevor Noah told a joke about he said about the president's failed a, a first year. And he said, when you got into office, things started to look up. Gas is up. Rent is up. Food prices are up. And then Joe Biden laughs. And to be fair, I don't know what Joe Biden is supposed to do in a situation like that. You got to roll with the punches. But yeah, uh, it is really bad. So they definitely need to deflect. Things are getting way worse. So we have this story and I want to explore what this shadow crew really is. But it's also, according to Politico, they've, they've run this story. Biden world wants to make the midterms more about Trump and hope that Elon Musk will help. I think that's going to play a role. I think we're going to see the censorship. And I think we need to break down exactly why. And the reality is, yo, diesel prices are at an all time high. The head of, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a U.S. aid administrator says never let a good crisis go to waste when referencing the food shortages that are coming. Yeah, never let a good crisis go to waste. While they may have lost control of Twitter, which was effectively serving as their disinformation governance board, they launched a disinformation governance board. So I think we need to take into consideration the powerful political interests behind what Elon Musk is doing. We'll take a look at this conspiracy theory. I want to talk to you about why. Why do we tolerate conspiracy theories now? But not about anybody on the left, these powerful Democrat. uh, I mean, look, the Clinton Foundation, the donations they took. And George Soros, I think, is an obvious one. Why why is that not allowed? Perhaps if the shadow crew, as it's called, actually does get a foothold in cultural institutions, maybe then we'll be able to actually discuss who's really running the show, be it this shadow crew or other special interests. And then we can talk about why things are really getting bad. Let's do that. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member if you would like to support the work I am doing here and the work of our journalists. As a member, you'll get exclusive access to segments from the TimCast IRL podcast that go up Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. We have them here at TimCast.com. You can't find them anywhere else. You'll also be keeping our journalists employed and keeping the mission going. Many of you may have seen we got a billboard in Times Square just this past week or so. And boy, did that ruffle some feathers. We're going to do more culture jamming as marketing, challenging the institutions, calling out the corrupt and, you know, trying to make a difference by bringing real news and not narrative to all of you. If that if that is something good and you like that, become a member right now. But don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. And uh, let's talk about this shadow crew. Well, I can sit here and tell you, I think it's a good thing that Elon Musk is buying Twitter. I can also warn you about those who are involved. Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, they may have done some pretty good things, but don't just sit back and, and, and praise these guys like they're going to save you from everything. They've got their interests as well. These are the guys who started PayPal. PayPal is banning people who are challenging the US, challenging US foreign policy and the narrative as well. Now, perhaps they're just not involved in PayPal, but look at the things they build. It could be that these institutions have been seized by the left and maybe they'll take them back. Or it could be that these gentlemen plant these seeds to eventually go sour. Considering that Twitter already long went sour, I don't see how much worse it could get. But here's the story from the Wall Street Journal. Of course, Elon Musk has addressed this. And I think the better take comes from one of the reporters on this story. But the Wall Street Journal says, The shadow crew who encouraged Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. Behind the scenes, fellow billionaires and internet provocateurs bent Tesla CEO's ear. They say, As Elon Musk's crusade against Twitter escalated from a war of words to a full on takeover, he was egged on behind the scenes by a mix of voices from fellow billionaires to Internet trolls with their own beefs to the social media platform. In Mr. Musk, a serial entrepreneur with a hard Twitter habit, these men found a vessel for pent up animosity over the company's content moderation and management. One of them had a very personal stake. Twitter's co-founder and former chief executive Jack Dorsey, who resigned last year under pressure, was whispering in Mr. Musk's ear that Twitter should be a private company people familiar with the matter say. Now that is where things get particularly interesting, my friends. A conspiracy! Jack Dorsey had the opportunity to do so much, and he didn't, nor did he explain why he wouldn't. Certainly he just comes out and says, well, I wish I could say it, but I can't. So many things left unsaid that can't be said. Sure, Jack. Look, I'm willing to entertain a conversation with you at any point, but when you keep saying you want to do things and you won't do them, I question whether or not you really want to do them. Perhaps you could come out and say, I would like X to happen, but the board will not allow it. Maybe it really is that simple. I'd love to hear an explanation. How about you give one? To be fair, I try to be fair. Maybe after the sale is done, Jack Dorsey will come out and just say a whole bunch of stuff. I'd love to sit down and talk with Elon and Jack, I don't think they're going to want to in the midst of this deal. I think many people should understand this, too. Look, there, there are people who you might like, who might believe in free speech, who are not going to come on my show and talk to me because I'm going to ask them tough questions. I'm not going to completely agree with them. I'm not going to just say, yes, you're right, for sure. I'll push back where pushback needs to happen. They're going to say Mr. Musk declined to be interviewed, and it isn't clear whether he took any of their advice. People have spoken to him and his team recently say Mr. Musk remains dismayed that former President Trump is still barred from the platform. Mike Cernovich has an in- interesting point about this, and that's why I want to, you know, approach this from a kind of nuanced position. Mike Cernovich tweeted in November of 2021, on principle, Trump should be on Twitter. In reality, his presence helps the Democrats. That's why Twitter will find a way to rewrite a policy to allow him back. Interesting. Maybe they won't. Maybe Elon Musk will come back on the platform, unban Donald Trump, and give the Democrats a last minute narrative. Cernovich said something about not having Trump back on the platform. I can't remember exactly what he said. And that tweet was from November. But I think there's an interesting point. Maybe there is a moral victory in getting free speech on the platform. Maybe Democrats are hoping for that because they need something to rail against. The Wall Street Journal goes on to say, leaning libertarian. Before and during Mr. Muck's breakneck takeover of Twitter, a close-knit group of libertarian-leaning activists and businessmen have been encouraging him to get involved. This group includes the so-called PayPal Mafia, former executives of the online payments company, who include Musk, the investor Peter Thiel, and entrepreneur David Sachs. Okay, former. I'll take that in consideration. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? as well as ancillary figures like the venture capitalist Steve Jurvetson, an early Tesla investor uh, investor, who once served in the automaker's board, and Mr. Musk's brother Kimball, a Tesla board member, according to people familiar with this matter. Their involvement and Mr. Musk's continued willingness to hear them out may help explain one of the great mysteries of his Twitter obsession. With all the problems in the world, why has Mr. Musk decided he can alone fix it? Mr. Musk's dalliance with Twitter began uneventfully, uneventfully enough, his first tweet in June 2010 announced his presence on the platform. Blah, blah, blah. I think we know where this is going. Mostly, I think it's important to talk about the people who are involved. In this tweet from Rob Copeland, who is one of the writers on the story, he says, Many have asked why, out of all the things Elon Musk decided, Twitter is some ha, ha, why has Elon Musk decided Twitter is something he alone can fix? The answer we discovered is a secret crew of billionaires and misfits egging him on behind the scenes. First on tap, for new Twitter, Under Elon Musk is getting Donald Trump back on the site. Musk's top deputy, Jared Birchall, told an associate he vehemently disagrees with censoring, especially for a sitting president. Also on his way back to the friendly confines, right-wing provocateur Charles Johnson. Johnson was promised in writing he would be reinstated very soon. Anywho, every day is a wild freaking ride when you help cover perhaps the world's richest, most fascinating, most frustrating, most contradictory, most interesting man. And there's always, as they say in the news biz, more to come interesting. A secret right-wing billionaire. Well, a group of billionaires. Elon Musk has responded, according to Bazinga. They say, the article was shared on Twitter by Mark Andreessen, the general partner of the venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz. Musk responded by saying, my shadow crew is sick. What did Mark Andreessen say about this? I have friends. They have acquaintances. You have a shadow crew of misfits egging you on. Which is an interesting point. Elon Musk has friends. They have conversations. The way the media frames it, like this is cabal of wealthy elites trying to take over, is just like I roll. I say the exact same thing about George Soros. Let me tell you guys. First, does George Soros fund uh, a, a lot of these uh, nonprofits and things like that? Oh, you betcha. Is George Soros sitting there twirling his mustache, going, "I'm going to take over the world"? No, he's really not. He's just a rich guy flooding the zone with cash, and he is very political. But it's not. I think people see movies and their worldview is based on a more focused view of things. You know, people on the left, they say like, you know, people like me are sitting behind these scenes and Dave Rubin are going like, how can we lie to people and make more money today? <laughs> when in reality, it's like I read the news and I'm like, wow, what a crazy story. I should talk about that. And that's it. The same thing is true for people like Hassan Piker. I don't think he's sitting behind, behind the scenes going like, hmm, this story would discredit me. I better not bring it up. No, I think people like Hassan read CNN and then, and then he's like, my opinion is shaped by CNN and then he gets things wrong and we disagree. I think people like George Soros think they know what's right for everybody, have the power to implement it and then just go like, I'm going to put money here, 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 here and here. I've known activists who have worked for organizations that have received Soros funding. They don't, they don't know what's going on at all. They just do things. If you flood the zone with cash, it's like dominoes falling over. Someone asked me on Tim TimKast.io, what's the difference between a slippery slope and dominoes falling over? A slippery slope is that as the slope, you know, curls further and further and steepens, you, it's a slippery slope. You are slowly sliding faster and faster. Dominoes falling over is more reference to the machine will do this no matter what you do. So let me say it again. A slippery slope. You step onto the slippery slope, and then you slide down, and as you go down, things go faster and faster. Similar but different. Dominoes falling over, what I mean by that is, it is inevitable. Whether you flick the domino or not, the dominoes are already in motion, and what's to come will come. Now, there may be splitting paths, but the dominoes are going down and they're going to hit the next piece, whether you want them to or not. And that's what I think we we're really seeing. It was only a matter of time. Take a look at this. This is the consideration I think we should have as we as we, we, we look into what's going on with Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and these others. Biden world wants to make the midterms more about Trump and hopes Elon Musk helps him. The election will be either a referendum or a contrast. The president's team prefers the latter. President Joe Biden, this is from Politico, and fellow Democrats have struggled to overcome historical headwinds and worrisome economic trends in the lead up to the midterms. So aides are scheming up something else, else, turning the campaign into a contrast with Donald Trump and the Republicans. President Joe Biden and his team are hoping to spend the spring and summer months drawing sharp distinctions with Republicans, one in particular. They still plan to push forth revived pieces of stalled agenda, but they're also eagerly awaiting potentially explosive findings from the January 6th Select Committee and hope those discoveries can inflame a battle brewing within the GOP over Trump's former legacy and power. Yeah, let me address January 6th. No one cares. The Democrats come out and pretend they care. No one on the right cares. And regular Americans, for the most part, don't care. There have been poll after there's there's been poll, 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 poll. And everyone's like, do you care about January 6th? And they're like, no, I can't afford gas. Well, do you want to talk about January 6th? No, I couldn't buy chicken wings the other day. That's a true story. I went to a restaurant and I said, I will have the traditional wings. And the server said, yeah, uh, we don't don't have that. And I was like, you don't have wings? And they're like, no. And I was like, what do you have? And they were like, we have thighs. And I was like, you have thighs, but not wings? All right, I'll I'll have the thighs. Thighs are amazing, by the way. But I wanted wings. All right, you can't get wings. And it's probably because they're killing all these chickens. Thighs, for a long time, they they weren't in restaurants. Like, no one really cared. Now it's becoming a thing because you can't get chicken wings. Anyway, that's my point, right? I'm not going to cry about January 6th when I can't buy chicken Biden, who has tried to pivot back towards domestic matters while also tending to the war with Ukraine, gave a war in Ukraine, gave a hint of the upcoming strategy on his recent West Coast swing in which he blasted the GOP for falling under the control of far right extremists. It's saying your father's Republican Party, said Biden, who declared it's the MAGA party now. Come on, man. And the Republicans now are afraid to act correctly because they know they'll be primaried if they don't toe the line set by Trump and his acolytes. Same is true for Democrats and progressives, by the way. And it's mostly because the millennial generation, be it left or right, are coming for the establishment. I'd like to make one simple point for all of you, my friends. The Democrats have moved far left. The Republicans have mostly stayed where they are. Anyone who says otherwise is not paying attention. And I'll give you some examples. Democrats and Republicans have always been opposed to illegal immigration, at least up until this past decade. Democrats are now for open borders. Republicans still oppose illegal immigration. Republicans in the 80s. Oh, yeah, we can talk about big industry wanting more illegal immigrants, tolerating it because it was cheap labor. But in my lifetime, go back to 2000s. Republicans and Democrats are both going like we got too much illegal immigration. Now the Democrats have shifted and are open to it and want a moratorium on border crossings. Okay, they're also in California offering up free government-funded health care for non-citizens. Okay, Republicans still aren't. Republicans still want to deport non-citizens. How about abortion? Uh, I remember when I was a kid, Republicans were pro-life and said, abortion should be illegal. And then, as I got older, I watched the Republicans go far right. They now want to... <gasps> ban abortion. What's their position? They still want to ban abortion. Wait, hold on. In the 90s, they wanted to ban abortion. Today, they want to ban abortion. How do you move further right than wanting the exact same thing you've wanted for 30 years? Probably longer. The left? Well, the left in this country was in favor of restrictions, and now they want unrestricted. Okay, you get the point. Don't come to me and say the Republicans have moved far right. You want to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene and call her far right on what grounds? Because you think she believes crazy conspiracy nonsense? That's not right wing. That's just crazy conspiracy nonsense. Not that I think she really does. Maybe she did before. I don't agree with the fraud narrative. I do that. I do think that is conspiracy nonsense, but that's that's not right wing. There's a, there's a story out right now. Stacey Abrams wouldn't shut up about voter fraud. The left, it's just like whoever says it, it's whoever wants power. All right. Some may be more right than others and whatever, but the point is, you can't come out and claim the right is extreme when you pushed the exact same thing three years before they did. So now, what do we have? Marjorie Taylor Green is a populist nationalist. They call her far right. What far right positions does she have? Honestly, I don't know. Her positions on cultural issues are the same as conservatives. In fact, probably a little bit left from where the Republicans used to be. They say, Mitt Romney's a left-wing Republican. No, he's not. He's just considered an establishment shill. Nobody considers him left-wing. Is that it? Does the left think adhering to the authority is what makes you left wing? I think so. They say the goal of turning the election into a contrast may be straightforward, but the execution is another matter entirely. Previous efforts to reframe the conversation have failed as the White House has been overtaken by outside forces, leaving the president unable to stay on message. Oh, is that it? White House aides insisted that surrogate talking points are sent almost daily, but the lack of coordination has left outside officials frustrated. In particular, of late, Democrats felt empty handed when asked to defend the administration's position on voting rights, the president's legislative agenda and his decision to rescind Title 42. Trump era directive barring uh, allowing expulsion of migrants seeking asylum. There has also been frustration in the White House and among some outside groups about the lack of cover and political push from the Democratic National National Committee. The move by Cedric Richmond, a White House senior advisor, to leave the administration and become senior advisor to the DNC was interpreted as a sign by many as an effort by the White House to get more control over the party. uh, we'll, we'll, We'll move down here. But the White House has renewed hope it could change the conversation. Biden aides have been delighted to watch growing division within the GOP. They're going to mention January 6th, which I think is ridiculous. Biden advisors have also tried to game out this week the possibility of one particular October surprise. Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter raised the chance that Trump could be reinstated to the social media platform where he and more than 80 million followers before being banned in the wake of the January 6th riot had more than 80 million. Musk has said he would allow Trump to return. And while the ex-president has claimed he doesn't want back on, the White House does not believe him. The consensus among Biden aides about Trump's possible return, it could cut both ways. While the former president would eat up an extraordinary amount of political oxygen, it's also possible that he would push the big lie or feud with fellow Republicans and damage the GOP's otherwise strong chances of regaining at least one House of Congress. The more the election becomes about Trump, the better the Democrats' chances become, many in Biden's orbit believe. I think Biden's orbit is correct. I think they are absolutely correct. If Donald Trump comes back to the platform, the Democrats will see a boon. They will come out and they will say, it's happening again. The fascists are coming back. We were winning, but now they're bringing back Trump. That is not an argument to say Trump should not be on the platform. I'm just saying, if you believe in the principle and Donald Trump is allowed to be on the platform, rest assured, the Democrats will weaponize it. And boy, do they need that weapon. If there's anything that could unite Democrats far left to moderate, it is Donald Trump. And for for what reason, I don't understand. You'd think these progressive leftists would be like, oh, wait, no, not Trump, because Trump is just obliterating the establishment. When Trump came in, the Democrats went insane. You'd think the progressives would want Donald Trump in office because it destroys the Democratic establishment, and allows progressives to take over. Sooner or later, it's going to happen with or without Trump. Millennials live very different lives than our, the previous generation. And I think that may be one of the big issues that's confusing to most people. If you look at the people who watch Tucker Carlson, they tend to be older. The average cable TV viewer is in their 60s. So when we talk about people watching CNN, we're mostly talking about old people. The problem I see, though, is where 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 are people like Hassan getting their news from? Now, that's the weird thing to me. He's a younger guy, the most prominent streamer on the left. Where, where does he get his news from? I've, I've watched some of the shows, mainstream corporate press, but it's just interesting. You use a you, you can see I got Ground News up here, Ground.News, showing you that the story about Joe Biden split evenly between left, right, and center. Everybody's talking about it. Joe Biden wants, uh, Elon Musk, take the platform back. He wants Trump back in. He wants that weapon. If you use their service, you can do a bias checker. If you check my bias, you'll see that Tim Poole, I think 53% of the stories I interact with are left-wing stories. And then you've got, you know, about 25% is centrist, around 25% is conservative. I don't really engage a lot of right-wing stories. And I find that, I think that's actually interesting because I I don't know, that's not something I do intentionally. You know, I just go on there. But I think it makes sense when you look at the polls. Moderates tend to get two-thirds of their news from left-wing sources and the rest from conservative sources. And conservatives are inverted. But people like Vosch or Hassan get almost all of their news from left-wing sources, so they're not fact-checking or challenging any of their ideas. Thus, they get things wrong. Thus, when I say something like, Joe Biden was doing an illicit deal in Ukraine and got the prosecutor fired to protect his son, they say that never happened. And then when you show them all the evidence, it's undeniable. But they just don't see it because they don't do any of the groundwork. Joe Biden needs that boogeyman to rally both young and old. And I think it might work. But my opinion is that progressives should be like, oh, no, not Trump. Quick vote for Trump. Let him get in and just stampede through the establishment. Well, I pointed out what Mike Cernovich said. Allowing him back on would help the Democrats. But let me show you what's currently happening right now. And let's talk. Let's throw some criticism towards uh, uh, that that shadow crew. I'll, I'll give you a warning. Lee Camp says in the past weeks, PayPal has cut off great outlets like Mint Press News. YouTube has banned my show Redacted Tonight and others. Patreon deleted accounts of indie journalists. This is why I'll be moving to anti-censorship platform. Locals support my work. Lee Camp is a leftist. He's going on Dave Rubin's platform. I would not be surprised if Lee Camp heads over to Rumble because he won't get banned there for voicing his opinion opposing the war. We also have the disinformation board which is in response, in my opinion, for the most part, to what's happening with Elon Musk. But I want to point out PayPal. When we hear about this group, PayPal's banning Lee Camp and these, you know, not him personally, but these other outlets. We also have Consortium News was also banned by PayPal. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking
0: commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands.
1: Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. Why should we assume that a platform set up by Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, or who are largely involved in it, is going to defend our rights? All right. I don't know who currently is in charge over at PayPal. And maybe Peter Thiel and Elon Musk don't really have any control in, those, in that system anymore. Maybe they long sold it. Now it's controlled by the institutional left. All right. Well, there you go. But if they do, I would, I would say to Elon and Peter, figure out why they were shut down. Reinstate them. They should not be banned for, for what? They were news outlets who had their private services shuttered. You know, I fear it's a real possibility that they do the same to us we're working on the infrastructure behind the scenes hopefully we're going to have some big announcements this week but i don't i don't just blindly trust elon musk i'm happy to see what he's doing but just like donald trump you want to let a bull in to rampage through the ivory tower and i'm going to sit back and be like no wait don't like i don't care i'm not going to do anything about it like come on in buddy you want to you want to sit up in that tower You know, these these billionaire elites in Silicon Valley looking out their window with their pinkies out drinking their Chardonnay and laughing. (laughs) They're dumb perignon eating their fillet mignons. Yeah, I know how to say filet mignon. It's a joke. They're sitting up there looking down at us saying it's a big club and you ain't in it. And the first thing we saw was Donald Trump. He was the bull. They look down, they look out that window and they see a whole bunch of the townspeople and they got a bull leading up towards the door and they're like, No, 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 what are you doing? The bull kicks the door and rampages up their ivory tower and they're like, "Ah, Our prestige and our elitism is being trampled over by this uncouth animal. And it was funny to watch. I know I enjoyed it. And then they kicked the bull out. A bunch of these leftists were like, the, the left and the Democrats all teamed up and these peasants on the ground standing by Bernie Sanders are like, hey, you, you get that bull out of the ivory tower. And it's like, why? Why are you mad about this? Bernie can go in afterwards. I don't care. Just get rid of those people. I'm not the biggest fan of Bernie these days, but Bernie was cheering him on. All right, fine. Don't let him in. So they take control of their ivory tower and along comes Elon Musk and he just hires. He just buys the ivory tower outright. Or he, like, buys one of the components of their palace. And they're like, no, you can't do that. Like, actually, he can. Good. Open the door. Let Elon muck about. Elon Musk may muck about. Do I think we should rely on a billionaire? No. Do I think it's a good thing he's buying the platform? Sure. I mean, how much worse could it really get? So good. Have at it, buddy. Do your thing. And in the meantime, we'll sit back and continually question... What's going on with our government? Joe Biden laughing. Gas is up, rent is up, food is up. That was the joke from Trevor Noah. Good for Trevor Noah for making the joke. Biden laughs. I don't know what Biden is supposed to do. I mean, just sit there and like roll your eyes. Like he, like, ah, he'd look worse if he was guilty. It's the only thing he could have done. He could have pretended not to hear anything. Huh? What did you say? I didn't hear it. That would have been his best bet because people would be like, oh, that's, that's deranged old Joe. Instead, he laughs at this and people are like, dude, it's kind of messed up that he's laughing. When we're talking about the economy like falling apart. Here we go. Diesel is at record highs. U.S. aid says food shortages are coming and never let a good crisis go to waste. Bird flu is prompting chickens into lockdown from Pennsylvania to France. No wonder I couldn't get my chicken wings. Man, I got chickens, but um, not enough. Actually, I think we have like 50 chickens now. so. So what, we kill 10 of them and we get 20 wings? I guess you can get 20 thighs out of that, too. Sure. What I that You kill 10 of them? Yeah, well, we got to wait for them to grow up. Across the board, bad things are happening in this country. We need a way to speak about these things, to challenge them. So it is a good thing that Elon Musk is stepping up and doing something. Otherwise, all of this stuff that would be getting bad, they would just keep censoring it. Here we go chesapeake fire responds to industrial fire at purdue farms facility really isn't purdue don't they do chicken what do they do here soybean processing tank two stories the first is the conspiracy theory that someone is destroying these uh uh, refineries and things like that i don't i don't believe it i never did timcast.com ran a story because i said hey guys take a look at this you know sent it to the newsroom. And I said, there's these, this meme going around about all these uh, factories being damaged in fires. And I said, make sure we, we include in this that our analysis as a note, it's possible fires happen all the time at these places. We just don't cover them. And someone just noticed it now and thanks to new phenomenon. But I think the real story here is, uh, so according to Tucker Carlson's reporting, There actually are way more fires last year and this year than the previous years, particularly this year, considering we're only four months in, going on five months. Here's what I think. I think our industrial systems are in decay. I think our infrastructure is in decay. I think our economy is in decay. I think it's being driven into the ground and it's imploding right before our very eyes. You don't need a conspiracy theory to talk about why fires are starting at facilities when they're being unkempt, when they are unkempt. Perhaps people just aren't fixing them. Perhaps our infrastructure is crumbling and has been for some time. And perhaps there's no one to rely on. There you go. And I got to tell you, man, if there was any sign of cultural decay, it would be White House officials weigh income limits for student loan forgiveness. Hmm. Interesting. What is this all about? Student loan forgiveness, huh? So uh, apparently... The administration is considering various ways to forgive some student loan debt through executive action. In recent weeks, senior Biden aides have examined limiting the relief to people who earned less than either 125 dollars or $150,000 as individuals or 250 dollars to $300,000. Let me just slow that down for a second. Somebody who makes $300,000 a year. You got a married couple. Husband's making $300,000 a year. Wife ain't working because she doesn't have to be working. This dude's going to get free money. Incredible. The Biden administration has realized they're going to bribe people. But guess what? Democrat voters aren't the working class anymore. That's changing. So you're going to have to bribe the top five percent of income earners. Couples making three hundred thousand dollars. They're they're almost the one percent. And you know what the funny thing is? Somebody who's been making three hundred thousand dollars for 10 years and has saved that up might actually have a net worth in the millions especially if they've been investing properly, especially if they've been investing in property. Now you've got people who are quite literally the one percent. And Joe Biden's like, I need their vote, so I'm going to give you 10 grand for free. Why would someone who makes one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year need student debt relief? That does not make sense. What are they doing? robbing from the poor to give to the rich because the taxes are going to come from working class people predominantly. I think it's absolutely fascinating. This is where we are currently at. You know, this country's falling apart. When, when we sit back and cross our fingers and hope a billionaire will come and rescue us from the lack of free speech and the domination of the cultural left, the government is learning. has learned it could just bribe people from tax coffers and it's bribing the wealthy. Wonderful got to be fair if it's only 5% how much of the vote can he really get 2 2.5 cuz you know half of them aren't going to well not even that let's just say like 1.6 cuz you're going to get a mix between democrats moderates and republicans but that's just fascinating you mean to tell me that there's going to be somebody who makes 300,000 a year married and they're going to be like I sure could use 10 grand for free I'll vote for Biden he said it would be lower than 50k And they say the administration officials have signaled there will be at least 10000 So it could be more. It could literally be $50,000 in free cash for someone making $300,000. Bravo, Biden administration. And it'll work. People will vote for him. They're going to be like, don't know, don't care, free money. From my pocket, you betcha. Yeah, well, this country is falling apart for more reasons than the ones I've just considered. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I'm not one to assume some billionaire savior is going to swoop in and rescue all of the crying people demanding their free speech. I think we must continue every day challenging the establishment fighting for free speech, and the end result will be earning more people on our side. And it just so happens that some of those people are quite powerful indeed. Elon Musk seems to be a guy who can take a joke, who likes a good joke, and is a fan of the Babylon Bee. So when Twitter cracked down on the Babylon Bee, Elon Musk took action. And now we are seeing the recoil, the horror from the establishment. Oh, poor CNN. CNN's Zurich. Elon Musk buying Twitter is dangerous. We need regulation of social media. He's not the first person to say it. In response to Elon Musk winning Twitter, as CNN describes it, the establishment is now demanding that there be some kind of regulation of American speech. Yeah, you can't do that. It's called the First Amendment. They can try. We've had obscenity laws and censorship before. It was George Carlin uh, it was George Carlin who got arrested for uh, telling a joke, for saying naughty words. It was the uh, was it the seven words you can't say on television. We have the story here from Real Clear Politics, highlighting a tweet from Julio Rosas. But the statement is this statement, and it's fairly obvious. Is a town hall journalist Rosas highlighting a clip from CNN's Reliable Sources? That's the Sunday Morning Show with Brian Stelter that nobody watches. Where this guy basically says, you cannot let these guys control discourse in this country. We or we are headed to hell. Hey, I actually agree with that. And I've been complaining about it for quite some time. It's only when you lose some ground that you panic. Oh, heavens, what do we do? Now that Elon Musk is stepping in, I'll take what I can get, right? I'd prefer it if billionaires didn't control the means of communication in this country. But uh, if the best we can do is countering the existing insane Silicon Valley cultism with someone like Elon Musk who moved to Texas, I'll take what I can get for the time being. But I wondered why it is this is happening. And, you know, we had an interesting conversation with an an older madam on uh, Timcast IRL, and it, 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 it helped me really understand. And I, and I hope if you guys watch Timcast IRL, which is our 8 p.m. Monday through Friday show live, I hope this actually helped you understand as well. This, uh, this uh, nice older woman, I think she was 70, and uh, with respect, was explaining uh, many positions that she held that no longer make sense to our generation. And I started wondering wh- wh- who in there, uh, who would believe that a feminist today is not pro-war? That's one of the things we said. And I kind of realized it. The boomer generation does not know how to consume information. I'm not trying to rag on boomers because I know boomers watch uh, my videos, too. I'm saying that there is a tendency among the older generation, typically boomers and older with some Gen X that don't that don't consume information as rapidly and in the same way as millennials and younger do. So when a news story breaks, you and I, we see it immediately. I mean, I'm here doing videos, uploading within a half an hour of publish. So I record, and then a half an hour later, the video's live. I record live to tape or to hard drive, whatever. But you get the point. When something happens on Twitter, when something happens in the news space, I see the story break, and then I talk about it. But what about older people? Bill Maher is a really great example of this. He's when the Covington kids story happened, what did Bill Maher say a week after the story was debunked a whole week after everyone on the left and the right knew the story was bunk? Bill Maher comes out and he's like, you see these smirking kids? And it's like, no, no, I didn't see the smirking kids. That was fake news. And you believe it still? Bill, do you have Google? No, Bill has the Sunday edition of The New York Times which I imagine is written partially throughout the week with some breaking news, you know, but the Sunday edition, you know, look, let me tell you, journalists don't work on weekends. You've got your weekend editors, but they're called weekend editors for a reason. The average person works through the week. So you're getting old news on the weekend. Now, I can't say I'm surprised that these crackpots over at CNN are calling for more regulation. But let's let's talk about why these stories. Let's put it this way. How is it that the people at CNN are calling for regulation when I've been calling for regulation for months. Now, all of a sudden, they're saying, we got to do something. Well, first, let me just say the regulation I want is not the same as the regulation they want. I don't want regulation telling people they can't speak. I want regulation preventing large corporations and the government from uh, hindering speech. So the government must be told you cannot. And large corporations should be told you cannot. Now, some people respond with, but they're private entities to him. Don't care. Once you reach a reach a certain size, you cannot. People are allowed to speak. We'll see what Elon Musk puts forward. But I'll tell you, a truly unregulated free speech space is not going to be as fun as some people think. Some people are saying that Gab banned porn talk. I don't know if that's true. I haven't, I haven't checked any of that. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Gab banned porn and porn speech. I guess what I mean by porn speech is not videos, but like people advocating for or, you know, calling for the relaxation or things like that. I wouldn't be surprised if Gab did something like that because they're going to be like, that's not expression. That's not speech. I disagree. Free speech means obscenity. It was it was George Carlin who said all of these naughty words and got arrested for it. That's free speech. The way you express yourself. Now, let's take a look at this. How does Bill Maher address where we're currently at? Now, well, I can give respect for this one. Bill Maher on immigration, quote, there's this elitist group that's running the world that's left us behind is a reasonable argument. I agree. I highlight this to give Bill Maher some credit. All right. All right. We'll give Bill some credit. But uh, Bill, this this idea, it's, it's a really, really old idea. You know, the issue I have is that if Bill Maher actually just came out and told us he didn't read the news, I think his audience would be better served. Better yet, if his audience watched TimCast IRL, his audience would be better served. How is it that Bill Maher and I tend to hold the exact same opinions, but the media would call me far right? Oh, Washington Post called me far right after the whole Taylor Lorenz billboard thing. Oh, you're going to cry, little journalist. Oh, no, the big bad journalist called us out. He must be far right. Everybody knows my far right position on, um, Progressive taxes, universal basic health care, pro-choice, anti-war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of it means anything anymore. What's happening is the boomer generation has separated themselves. There's boomers and Gen X and then millennials. I think this is where things are really different. People like Bill Maher. He's a liberal. I agree a lot with Bill Maher. The problem is he's five years behind where you and I are. I feel like if you gave Bill Maher access to the same information you or I had, he would be in complete agreement with us. The issue is younger people. We adopted new means of communication, which is social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. Bill Maher probably still watches CNN and MSNBC and is only just now starting to see what's happening because he doesn't consume news the same way we do. And most boomers don't. Which brings me to feminists being pro-war. The conversation that I had on Timcast IRL with this nice older woman when I said that she was aghast. Feminists are not pro-war. Okay, let me ask you a question. If you were to ask someone, should we intervene in Ukraine? And and their answer, and then take their answers, yes and no. Which side do you think would have the tendency for saying Yes. Would it be the anti-feminists or the pro-feminists? Duh. The tendency, not the absolute rule, would be for the pro-feminists to be advocating for intervention with the little Ukrainian flags in their bios. I'm not saying every single feminist everywhere, because certainly some don't. Certainly there would be some TERFs who would oppose intervention in Ukraine. But this is the reality. It will be... The feminists that are pro-government intervention, pro-big-business, pro-but-my-private company, pro-taxation, all of these weird, big, authoritarian things. Which brings me to my overt criticism of Bill Maher. Bill Maher rips old Twitter, mocks Trudeau, and gives shout-outs to Babylon B. Look, I think if Bill Maher was paying attention to what was going on in the news, he'd be in complete agreement with us. But he's so late to the party that it's just like, dude, what? It's funny. People on the right call me a liberal. And it's because my political positions would be aligned with a more traditional liberal. But my understanding of truth is not an—it's not political. Facts have become political. So if I say that uh, the Babylon Bee was... Uh, no, no. If I say... Hunter Biden was doing illicit dealings in Ukraine and China to funnel money to his dad. Um, Those are facts. I mean, if you take a look at Burisma, if you take a look at the circumstantial evidence, if you take a look at the shared bank account, all the information that comes out, I don't know how you draw any other conclusion. They shared a bank account. Hunter Biden was making money while working for Burisma in Ukraine. And when Viktor Shokin started investigating... Joe Biden comes in and says, fire the prosecutor. Or you don't get the billion dollars. Illegally threatening to withhold aid to a country has no authority to do that. And they try and come after Trump for that. It's remarkable. It's a fact. Joe Biden did that, this video of it. And it's funny when people, you know, we have people on the on IRL like Hunter Avalon like, that never happened. And I just play the video. And he's like, you're not getting the billion dollars. Well, S O B, dude got fired. It's like, bro, do you have Google? You see, this is what really separates left and right. The reason Bill Maher is starting to be more right wing, as the left calls it, is because all of a sudden he started to actually look at the news. Bill Maher on his show talking about the Babylon Bee. He goes, apparently there's this thing called the Babylon Bee, which is Christian satire. And then everyone laughs. And then one of his guests goes, yeah, because we need that. And Bill goes, well, some people do. Some people do. I'm not everyone.
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: It's been it's been over a month, Bill. It's been over a month since the Babylon Bee had been suspended. It's been over a month since Elon Musk began tweeting about what was going on with Twitter. You want to do a segment on Elon Musk buying Twitter? And bro, you didn't Google search it. Perhaps. Bill Maher is just a retiree. Maybe maybe that's the real issue. Maybe Bill Maher has, is just phoning it in. He's sitting back and he's like, look, just hire someone to tell me what to say. And he comes out and he's like, have you heard of this Babylon Bee with their millions of followers? Yo, the Snopes Babylon Bee saga? If you've been active in politics and the news cycle, of course, you've heard of these things. But but I will I will forgive you, Bill, if you did not hear of the Babylon Bee. But I will not forgive you for not Google searching why it was Elon Musk bought Twitter and only finding out a month later. Remarkable. Our elders have left us behind. I used to watch Bill Maher. I used to watch Jon Stewart. But these people don't care. Don't pay attention. I can give Bill Maher some respect for pushing back. But the dude is so lazy and out of touch. But you know what? Maybe, maybe that frustration is a bit misplaced. Maybe the reality is Bill Maher is just an old fogey. He's just an old man. How do you use the dang fangled Twitter? I can't press the buttons. Maybe that's what what's really happened to Bill Maher. Have you heard of this Babylon B? What is it? Forgive me for making fun of old people. I know there are older people who do watch the content I make, but consider yourselves to be the elite. I genuinely mean that someone like Bill Maher. What is he, 60? Come on, dude. You can at least look up these news stories on social media, but you don't do that. There are people who watch my show and watch Tucker's show who are better informed than you. Just watch Tucker Carlson. Tucker's far from perfect. He's got his political opinions and his bias. But I guess as a younger guy, he's still bridging that divide. For me, I'm on Twitter all the time. So I see the news stories as they break, and I see the controversy, and we talk about it. Bill Maher doesn't care about what young people are doing. Now, I think it's possible. I believe it is fair. There will come a time when I will be but an old man like, like Bill Maher. I'll be 65 years old going, I don't understand how to use the VR machine. Me, probably not as much as someone like Bill Maher, and um, I don't want to say I'm immune to the changing of technologies, but uh, I've consistently worked in technology. So, you know, one of the first to do VR filmmaking, drone filmmaking, and so uh, when it comes to, you know, new technology and new means of distribution of coll- or collection of information, I've actually been developing these tools for some time. So, maybe I'll be in a different space. Maybe that's what separates me from someone like Bill Maher. But I think it may just be generational. I think, look, kids are using TikTok. TikTok is, is massive. We're banned from TikTok. Tim Kist IRL is banned from TikTok. You see the danger here. You are probably 30 years old, right? Many of you may be 25 uh, or somewhere in between. But what about 18 year olds? They're on TikTok. There are clips of me on TikTok, so I encourage you, if you do use TikTok, to share them. But that's where a lot of young people are, and Instagram. We're on Instagram, but we're banned from TikTok. So what happens? In 20 years, we're all going to be like Bill Maher. We're going to be, well, not so much. In 30 years, we will be. Then we'll be in our 60s. But maybe in, you know, I'm 36, so in, uh, give it 24 years, I'll be going like, what is this this meme about giraffes uh, in the government? Did you see this? And people are going to be like, dude, that was on TikTok. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok one month ago. I suppose the difference here is that TikTok is still just social media. So it's more of a platform. For Bill Maher, he probably reads the newspaper still. He probably watches CNN. He's probably getting his information all secondhand after the fact. I don't know what the future of media distribution will be. It's hard to imagine. Social media is already rapid speed. Could it be some kind of metaverse thing? I really doubt it. It's hard to know for sure. I think people did not perceive what would happen to newspapers when newspapers were prominent. Nobody knew what the next new medium was going to be. But newspapers were around for like 100 years. They're still around. People like Bill Maher are still probably reading them. But I wonder if social media will be here for the long run. And what'll happen is Twitter will end up, Twitter and YouTube will end up being like right wing news, and TikTok and Instagram will be left wing news. And people'll be like, Oh, don't, don't, don't follow people on on uh, Twitter. It's it's all conservatives. You got to use TikTok. That's fair and balanced. Right. Their rules. But we'll see where all of this goes. Now in this segment, where Bill Maher is ripping Twitter, saying he'd rather have Elon Musk running Twitter than a 23 year old who can't take a joke. They mentioned this meme once again with Elon Musk's. uh, I I love bringing this up because it is true and correct. It's the meme where in 2008, center left individuals who stayed where they were now find themselves center right in 2021 because the left has moved so far left. I would like to explain to you once again with a more contemporary take. Now, I did a segment on this last week, but AOC has chimed in. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says. The extreme left is taking over. Where? In Texas, Republicans pass a law allowing rapists to sue their victims for getting an abortion. Can anyone name a far left policy that extreme implemented anywhere? We can't even get our party to import cheaper prescriptions from Canada. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, let me give you, let me give you the answer to that question. First of all, there's, uh, there's this right here. This is funny. Dear AOC, please never stop. This woman says, I fixed it. And you can see in 1980, 1990, 2000, and 2022, the left never moved. But the center is running along with (laughs) the far right is running to the right. But they're blue now for some reason because they just flipped it. Neoliberals are crying and the center is running to the far right. the, The center is running to the far right. Absolutely amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you my three point response. Colorado passed no restriction abortion. So if you're going to call out Texas saying they're allowing rapists to sue their victims for abortion, it's like, okay, for sure. In Colorado, there's no restriction, meaning a full term baby to the point of birth can have its spinal cord cut. You want to talk about extreme policies. California offers taxpayer-funded health care to illegal immigrants. That's right. People who are not citizens are entitled to your taxpayer dollars because what did Newsom say? If you believe in universal health care, you believe in universal health care. Yeah, that's as far left as you can get, literally on the economic scale and the progressive scale. Children are getting permanent sex change, drugs, and or surgeries. Now, this one is not economic scale. This one is progressive scale left. It's as far left as you can go. I suppose once you implant someone's brain into a digital metaverse and they live digitally and can become a panda or something like that, you sure. I said, ish, that's just three. I need more characters. Listen, the far left has gone far left. And what does that mean? In terms of economic policy, they've embraced increasingly far left economic policy. What it means is that in terms of progressivism, they have taken an extreme advance, an extreme uh, change in terms of uh, a development in terms of their positions. I used these three on purpose. Illegal immigration. In 2008, the Democrats were in favor of a border wall. With, Hillary, with what, what Hillary Clinton wanted a border barrier. She even called for that thing in 2012. Bernie Sanders in 2015. Open borders is a Koch brothers proposal. How many times am I, am I going to say it? And now... Taxpayer-funded healthcare care for, for non-citizens? Non-citizens can vote? Yo. You see, what you, what you got to understand is that AOC doesn't care about those things. I get it. I get it. Ocasio-Cortez is not concerned about kids getting sex change surgery. And they are. Notably top surgery for young women. But they're using permanent uh, body-altering chemicals, drugs, to permanently alter children. That's happening. Now, it's not a moral assessment of these positions. It is a fact they are more extreme. What does AOC point out? Abortion. What would AOC prefer? To her, I'd imagine her position is going to be the Colorado style. Now, of course, if you take the furthest left approach, unrestricted, unrestrained, unregulated, whatever. Then, of course, pro-life will be far right. This is what's happening. The right has always been pro-life, always them saying they want to ban abortion is not moving further, right? They have been pro-life since I was a kid. Their position is the same on it. They've been trying to pass these laws and now they are. That's not moving right. The left has moved so far left that they see the far right and they're like, look how far away they are. They're trying to ban abortion. Yo, they've been trying to ban abortion. They're in the same place they've always been. They're trying to lower taxes. They've been trying to lower taxes. You see, they can't—they can't understand that they have gone so far left because they don't pay attention. This is where we are today. Not to rehash that story over and over again, but here we are with people like Bill, Bill Maher, and I feel abandoned. The Washington Post says far-right YouTuber Tim Pool. Okay. That says a whole lot. I'm actually, I think it's funny they said it. Because I hear these stories where people are like, you're, you're working for Tim Pool or things like, you're going on Tim Pool's show, but he's far right. And then this is really, really funny because I hear this a lot from guests. And they're like, the guest will say something like, I'm more conservative than, than Tim Pool is. It's the funniest thing. Like Ben Shapiro is a conservative, but I'm far right. But Ben Shapiro is further to the right than I am on like basically every, in every possible way. So I think it's funny when they say that, because, you know, I had a, we had, we had a guest on recently who's a conservative and they're like, people are saying like, oh, that Tim Poole though, he's far right. And they're like, I'm, if, if, if this person says they're a conservative they're like, you realize that my positions are to the right of Tim Poole, right? And they're like, wait, really? It's like, what? Do you even got watch the guy's show? So again, the, point, the reason I think it's funny is because anybody who watches my show is like, "Yeah, simple, not right wing at, at the very least. I think they call me libertarian centrist. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Um, probably not though. Like even that's a stretch. You know, I've had numerous uh, uh, conversations on uh, pro-life versus pro-choice. I think the left is overwhelmingly pro-abortion, taking away all the restrictions. I'm not for that, but I'm like center left. For libertarian reasons, and this one is is highly contentious because there there's no real good answer other than I fear government authority on the issue, and I don't I don't, I don't have any good good answers other than that's just where my my uh, my head ends up in every debate I've ever had. Even with Glenn Beck, I'm like I I get it, like I hear all the arguments from the conservatives. I completely agree. I have a, I have a serious barrier with government authority. It's a libertarian thing, I guess. It's not perfect. And there are real challenges and I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be, um, you know what I would say is I don't have a strong moral stance on it for the most part because I don't know if I have all the answers, but I would lean towards a more libertarian approach of pro-choice. And that means there are very serious problems. But I think Michael Knowles uh, uh, and uh, Matt Walsh actually put it really, really well in that there's no reason to ever kill the baby. And I'm like, I agree with that. Um, you should try and save the life of the baby. So it's a, it is a more moderate position. But how would you ever consider that to be right wing or any, anywhere near close to what we're seeing in Texas? Like, I don't agree with those things. And the left is like, why won't you be activists for us? And I'm like, why? You're, let, let me address this one. Why won't Tim make a video complaining about the Republicans and their laws? Because you're equally insane. We talk about these things. I give my position on it. But what am I supposed to say? The correct answer is what Colorado was doing. No, that's bonkers. Totally nuts. So here we are. I, as a moderate, as someone who was center-left, as what did Zuby say? A normal person from 2012. That's all I am. You think I'm going to argue and advocate for you, you crackpots? Get out of here. That's never going to happen. Y'all are nuts. The Republican Party is garbage. Almost every single uh, member Kevin McCarthy is no good. Lindsey Graham, not a fan of of any of these people. Mitch McConnell, trash. Terrible people. There's like five, maybe maybe like one or two Democrats. It's all just rotten to the core. So I'm not going to advocate for these people. And the Republicans haven't been in power culturally for 10 years or longer. I don't even know when they were. Look, right now, all the cultural institutions are left-wing. And when I look at, say, Stephen Crowder, and we had a conversation about abortion, and he said that the conservatives are compromising and saying they want some restrictions. Do you agree? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, see, you agree with the conservatives on this one? And I'm like, yeah, I probably do. To that regard, safe, legal, and rare. That's where I was when I was, what my family was. That's how I grew up. Therein lies the big problem. The left has lost the plot. And they try and say otherwise. People like Bill Maher, they let me down. They let you down. He's supposed to be a thought leader in this field. But you know what? In, 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 in his absence, others will step up. And now we get way more viewers than Bill Maher does. So be it. I mean, for his HBO show. I don't know what he gets on YouTube. But I, I, I do think, I think we, I'm pretty sure we're getting substantially more views than Bill Maher does. So, but maybe not per subject because he puts out less videos. So he might get more on a single video. But I think we get substantially more across the board with, how, with, with our level of output we have to because if he won't step up and be you know someone to speak up on behalf of the old school liberal then someone needs to but when the boomers all age out retire or pass you and i Oh, we will be the conservatives, even though it's it's crazy to me. I had someone say, if there was going to be a millennial conservative, it looked like you, Tim. And I'm like, no, it wouldn't. No, that's just absolutely not true. I'm still a centrist, even by conservative or liberal standards. The left is just insane and lying and the, the press just lies. If conservatives think looking to me is a a strong conservative, then you are in serious trouble because conservatives will not exist in 10 years. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. War is not just kinetic conflict. It's also psychological operations. And that means if there are people in your midst who are sympathizers, you have to shut them down. Because if sentiment begins spreading morale in your nation in favor of those who invaded you, well, then your government may fall and the invaders may eventually take over. But in the end, the real question is, which side should win? Why should they win? Whose power structure is the one worthy of wielding power? And these are complicated questions. What's happening right now, however, with the propaganda warfare over Ukraine is nightmarish. Here's what I think. All right, we have this story showing SBU it, these, are, these are like SWAT state uh, national police, in, I believe, in, in Ukraine. I believe that's what they're akin to. It's, it's their own, you know, uh, units. Arresting somebody for posting memes, sympathizing with Russia or agreeing with Russia. I don't think this person should be arrested as they are. I think that's terrifying. I do understand the challenges of war, and I want to get into that nuance. I want to first say, Russia's the aggressor here. The U.S. and Russia were both engaged in influence operations in Ukraine. I know a lot of critics of U.S. foreign policy. I mean, I'm one of them. But a lot of them say, oh, the U.S. and the CIA were doing these things in Ukraine. Yes, yes. Okay. I don't know specifically about the CIA. I know I'm pretty sure there's like a former CIA director involved in Burisma, the energy company. I know that there was uh, influence operations. Russia was doing the same thing. Russia was just bad at it. I remember being there on the ground talking to people, and many people just said, NATO is an opportunity. The EU is the real opportunity. They were hoping that once Ukraine joined the European Union, they would be able to freely travel Europe and find better opportunities, and it would help lift up the Ukrainian economy. Russia wanted them to join their, their trade federation. Ukrainians in the East liked that idea, but in the West, not so much, and thus you have this conflict going on now. And Russia decided, we've lost the influence campaign. We're going in. I mean, look, some people say it was a CIA-backed coup in 2014, ousting Yanukovych. Russia was playing influence games as well. Again, they just weren't good at it. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers or to be an expert in, you know, right and wrong. But I can say if someone is able to do soft power and, and you can't and you lose, kinetic conflict is wrong. I think it's wrong. I think there's a lot of complicated issues with the war in Ukraine, particularly around the fact that this is a country on the border of Russia, bordering Russia, and they have the Crimean, oh, they have their their military base there in Crimea. They've got military interest in this country. It's not so simple as to just act like it's another country where U.S. Uh, forces and, and Russian forces are competing. No, it's, there's a lot of complicated issues here. When we see these videos, and this is a terrifying video, which I, I want to get into, showing SBU arresting Russian sympathizers. It's what nightmares are made of, and it must be condemned. If you truly want people to side with you, and I think Ukraine needs support. I, ju- I don't think we should be involved in terms of military intervention. I think expressing our support for them. I think supplying weapons to a certain degree. I think we should support Ukraine to a certain degree. I think we can do that against you know a Russian invasion. But I think in order to actually make that argument... You need to respect the intelligence of the people who are paying attention and know what's happening. When you begin to arrest those who are sympathetic to Russia, you lose. When you begin to smear leftists who are critical of US foreign policy, like the Daily Beast is doing right here, you lose credibility. This is the frustrating thing about all of this. Vladimir Putin is not a good person. What Vladimir Putin does and I'm I'm not not talking about the stupid U.S. propaganda talking about, you know, strapping babies to this, that and what I'm talking about just the actual political goings on in the country. The fact that they have this like uh, call it a dictatorship, call whatever you want. Vladimir Putin is just not a good person. He's a man who seizes power, who enriches himself. Certainly people like the idea of a strong man. I like the idea of constitutional republics with democratically elected leaders. And I think the U.S. has very serious problems when it comes to oligarchy and corruption as well. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, Putin. Oh, look, this is an issue where the U.S. has done bad things. Russia has done bad things. But we need to have an honest conversation about what we are willing to tolerate. I'm trying to bring up the nuance, as I often do. And I want to make sure it's clear to you guys that, one, I would like the war to be completely over. I would like Russia to go back to their own country and back the F off. I would like the war to stop, but we are going to go hard against Ukraine right now because this video is psychotic and we can't tolerate this. I think it's stupid that I have to be like, before I get started, I want to make sure everyone knows I don't like Russia. Of course, I don't like Russia, but it's what you have to do because they will they will try to destroy you if you crit- criticize Ukraine for the horrible things they do. Take a look at this video from the Associated Press. This video was posted to r Ukraine on Reddit. Fascinating video of SBU arresting Russian sympathizers. The AP says Ukraine hunts down traitors helping Russia. What about traitors helping the United States? It's all about perspective. Again, I will stress the U.S. did not invade Ukraine. They gave them stuff. Hey, look, man, the U.S. goes to Ukraine and says, we're going to give you money and starts making it rain on people. And they're like, I like that money. I will take that money. I am a fan of, to an extent, voluntary exchange. I don't think absolute free markets work. I don't like bribery. But the idea that the U.S. is like, we're going to invest X billion dollars. We're going to loan you a billion dollars. I think these are good things. I think it's them saying, we want you guys to work with us. Imagine if, if I went to a construction company and I was like, I want you guys to work with us. Let me do this. Let me slip you a million dollar loan guarantee for your company. You work with us. Is that bad? We're doing it. We're negotiating a deal. What if a rival company was like, no, 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 no you got to work with us now. Like, Sorry, they gave us more money. So the rival company comes in and starts smashing stuff up. It's like that would be bad. Again, I'm not gonna pretend to know, all, know everything. But if this co- if this company starts firing all of its staff who are upset about this, yo, I'd take issue. but like, guys, stop doing this. Look at this hunting down traitors helping Russia. This video is horrifying. Look at this Ukrainian security services in the northeastern city of Kharkiv are moving in to arrest a man suspected of collaborating with Russia. Oh, collaborating. Wait till you see what the guy actually did. They're coming out. These poor people are terrified. They've got shields and guns pointed at them. I don't speak Ukrainian. I don't know exactly what they're saying, but look at the. Here's this guy. He's terrified working with Russian forces or publicly denying the invasion can result in stiff prison sentences. Check this out. Let's play some more. Uh Oh, he's wearing Adidas, but it was uh, it was blue and yellow. Nearly 400 people have been arrested under a recently enacted law in Kharkiv alone. Horrifying, dude. Maybe we got more. This man is being arrested because of social media posts praising the Russian president, calling for secession and insulting the Ukrainian flag. They, they, start, they start asking yeah, the questions they show memes he posted memes. Oh heavens. Yes, I supported, but I but now I don't Yes, I supported a lot. what he's saying. You supported Putin. Are you supporting the Russian army? With memes? I, I added it with memes by the way He says you are not speaking very nicely about the Ukrainian flag. Are you? I'm sorry
0: Yes, I commented
1: a lot. I told you I changed my mind. They arrest him. They arrest this guy. You, uh, uh, you, Where are you taking me? All will be in accordance with Ukrainian law. And then they show. What did he do? He posted some memes. He posted some memes. There it is. Oh, Vladimir Putin, some memes. I want to ask you guys a question. First, I want to say this is wrong. Ukraine should not be doing this. They should be interviewing. I don't think they should be arresting. Here's what I think. I think it's fine if you're in a war zone, okay? You're in active war. This is Kharkiv, right? There's war going on. I don't blame the dudes for showing up with shields and guns. I think they can sit down and ask them. I don't see why they would arrest him or detain him. I think they can be like, we are concerned about Ukrainian citizens who are actually collaborating with Russia. You posted memes. I don't care if you actually support them. This, this is my opinion. I'd say if you actually support them, fine. We view them as the bad guys. They're invading. We don't, we don't want that. We just need to know, are you working with them? Because if you are, you are in an active war zone. I think that's fair. So I think when you look at this stuff, it is wrong to arrest people for posting memes. But I want to ask you guys a question too. With the Lucky Land Sluts,
0: you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: China landed a bunch of, you know, boats in California. It's absurd, I know. And then you had people there who are waving communist Chinese flags. I mean, you're going to be like, we are at war. This is America. And if you're flying their flag or destroying ours, we've got a problem. It's not the same. I, I, I posted the saying, holy F, because it is bad. But I think a lot of people view this more negatively than they should. And let me explain. Let me explain. They deleted the post. A lot of people were praising this. I think that's wrong. They say, as the threat is unmoderatable at this point, it's being removed. For all of the naive, useful idiots that enlisted in the Concerned Troll Brigade, educate yourself about what martial law entails in any country facing an existential threat to state sovereignty and civil order. Fair point. And I mean it, man. I'm not, I'm not going to just come out and be like, Ukraine is bad and evil, dude. Russia invaded. You've got a very real concern about people who are collaborating. So I think it's simple. You can interview people. You can ask them, and they should be allowed. Here's here's where I'd put it. They they ask the guys like, oh, I, I don't support it anymore. I'd be like my friend, you're allowed to. You are allowed to support Russia. That's what we are resisting. We want a country where you have that right. If you like it, all right. But we are facing an existential threat from an invading force. If you are working with them, you are a part of that invading force we are going to oppose militaristically. You will then be detained like we would any prisoner of war. If this is just a guy who's posting memes, yo, you're just like in so in so many ways, you are only making the problem worse by doing this. Let me throw it over to this article. Look at this big, nefarious looking Lee camp. Lee, look what they've done to you. Lee's a cool dude. I think he's an all right guy. And then you've got a couple other uh, uh, lefty anti-war people. And uh, what I what to say? the sneakiest defenders of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. You know what, man? They're allowed to. They're allowed to. And I don't even think it's fair to say that they're defenders of Ukraine. This is what we actually need in this country. You want me to come to you and explain to you why in a war zone you are concerned about sympathizers. Okay, I will. I will. You don't want someone coming out of their house and then fighting with the invading force. Just like, like I mentioned, if China was invading the U.S. and people in California were working with them, you'd be angry about it. You'd be like, lock them up. People who are posting memes supporting them, you'd be like, we can't trust these people. Yes. That's what's happening there in Ukraine. But this idea, man, that, that people are going to get arrested for, for posting memes beyond just being, I don't know. I suppose there's no real easy answer to this. They removed the post, and they removed the post, I think, because it's bad for Ukraine. This is not build uh, support for Ukraine doing this. I think you've got people in tanks, you've got people invading, you challenge them. You shut them down. This idea that you're going to go after civilians now is just beyond reproach. Take a look at this from uh, Zeit Online. Expert opinion sees training of Ukrainian soldiers as participation in the war. Soldiers from Ukraine are also trained at German-U.S. bases. Experts say this could be interpreted as entry into the war. The federal government disagrees. It doesn't matter. Russia views us as in the war already. You better understand that there is no free speech. There is no security. There is no safety when war breaks out. Now, we believe in free speech. I do. I think in a war, someone should still be allowed to say, I don't agree with you. But hold on. Questions emerge then about where the line is when we're determining who to detain, who, who is a prisoner of war. What would, what would happen if we were at war with uh, China over Taiwan and you had people in the U.S. actively supporting China? It's a tough question, man. You have to be worried about saboteurs. Where do you draw the line? I don't have the answers. We just, we see something like this and we naturally recoil against it. We say it's wrong. I'm tired of the propaganda. I'm tired of the lies. I'm tired of the manipulation. Take a look at this. Heroic ghost of Kiev fighter doesn't actually exist, Ukraine admits. Really? Amazing. So they were lying to us the whole time to convince us to support them. Why am I going to trust them now when they start arresting people over memes? You are losing credibility among the people who pay attention. There's no easy answer to this. I don't want the US involved, but it looks like the US is already involved. I mean, we are. But as to whether or not it's a formal declaration of war or formal involvement, only history will tell. I believe Russia is already looking at us like we are involved. And when when conflict breaks out, you will see a suspension of, of our rights here in the US and it will be particularly brutal. It will be. And what will you do? when we If we saw people waving Chinese flags? and I've seen it, but during war, we would be concerned. What if the United States is on the side of China and people are waving American flags and they start arresting them for that? Now, that's the crazy idea. I suppose the issue with Ukraine is that these are people sympathizing with Russia who's invading their country and they should be waving Ukrainian flags. You know, I don't have the answers. I can't pretend to. I think that much of what we recognize as rights only exists because we've fortified our little bubble. Feminism, for instance, si- you know civil rights for women and, and minorities and the LGBT community, these things aren't going to exist in an active conflict they're not because it's unenforceable only because we've secured the state do we have these things and do we have free speech If war actually broke out, they would be they would be ramming doors down for people who are sympathizing because you collapse, you lose the fight. It's tough, isn't it? Kinzinger introduces a resolution authorizing involvement in war in Ukraine. Under certain circumstances, Kinzinger is saying, if there's a red line that's crossed, we're in the war. Here we go. And then what what comes next? It will come to the United States that we will say things like, we are not. Russia is a a really good example right now. What happens if you come out and you say, Ukraine and the U.S. are in the wrong on this one? There's no easy answers. If we're being invaded, I can understand shutting down the dissidents. If we're invading, I don't know. I can't. If the United States gets involved in the war in Ukraine, and they start going after people for supporting Russia, that's insane. Because the U.S. would not be facing an existential threat. And you have questions about Russia and the border with Ukraine and what their rights are and why they're fighting. And I still think Russia's wrong on this one, but... Certainly people in the, US are enti- in the U.S. are entitled to their opinions. But this is the direction we're going if we get involved in war. And uh, a war with Taiwan is also possible. The Daily Mail says Beijing orders officials to find ways to protect the nation from Western sanctions like those used against Russia. Something big is coming. I think if a war were to break out, the U.S. would erupt in a civil war almost instantly. Because tribalism. Right now, there are people who are supporting. I mean, just look at the comments as they support the the arrest of this guy for posting memes. Nightmarish. I mean, they're not tacit. It's, it's, It's tacit support. It's like, I used to support the Russians, but I changed my mind. When did you change your mind? 20 seconds ago when you knocked on my front door. Adidas clothes. Guilty. Is this a joke? Imagine being an internet troll. And then the Ukrainian army is showing up to ask for an explanation. You mean arrest you? Here in Lithuania, social media is an ish show loaded with people like a first guy posting all kinds of things, thinking there are no consequences for their actions until the army knocks. Looks fake. I didn't see a single copy of Sims 3. Ha ha. The mother of the arrested Russian sympathizer. They'll cure him of his Russia obsession. He will be cured. Blah, 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 blah. I wonder what he was really saying, and I wonder who, who else they've arrested. Take a look at Tucker Carlson. How often have they said Tucker Carlson is a Russian agent? He's not been overtly defending Russia in the sense that he wants them to win or anything like that. And he's not Ukrainian. He's American. But they've already smeared him. He will be cured. That's an important message for me from the woman that still believe that young person can uh, poss- possibly her son can change. I hope all Russia can have this attitude that they will be cured. But I'm thinking too much ahead. Look at this stuff. They arrest these people. We searched his phone. We found photos and contacts with, with the, the enemy. Uh, That's different. You see, th- th- I I can't pretend like I have a- an easy answer as to how these things should be done. Comment. You guys let me, let me know. What if someone's posting memes? You go and you find a bunch of contacts with actual enemies. Yeah. What happens when the United States says that Tucker Carlson's an enemy? Then they go and say he posted a meme, looked at his phone. Tucker Carlson was in it. You see the problem here? When war breaks out, nuance is gone. You're either with us or you're with the enemy. We are only afforded these rights because there is not war. Hard times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. And that's where we are headed. This is scary stuff.
0: Uh, contact is, uh, we found contacts
1: contact. with the enemy. Would you support the military going to someone's house after they posted memes? First question, what if they then find that the person had phone numbers and messages between an invading force? What do you do then? I think in the U.S. we still have free speech, but I know during the Civil War, our rights were basically suspended. There was this, this, I don't know if it's true, but the threat of um, Abraham Lincoln wanted to arrest a sitting Supreme Court justice. It may actually happen. Because in Civil War, they're like, I don't care, I'm going to survive. And survival by any means necessary and that's where ukraine is currently at i think the us is in this war man i think this story's scary but i think it needs to be talked about i'm gonna, I, it, it's 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 such a difficult moral position to find ground on if my country was invaded i would not tolerate sympathizers and i'd want to investigate it because you're at war with the with the an invading force at the same time it's like the dudes posting memes yo back off what do you do i don't know I just think we should not be involved. And apparently, opposing intervention makes you right wing. Well, they can call me right wing all day and night. But uh, these individuals like Lee Camp, these guys are, uh, they're leftists, anti-war leftists, like from back in 2012. And now they're sneaky defenders of Putin. Lee Camp said, I'm opposed to all war everywhere. But on top of that, if you don't know the history and fall for uh, and fall the propaganda, then you can't expect to understand the true situation of any conflict. A former NATO analyst has blown the whistle on the ridiculous Western narrative of what's happening in Ukraine. Do you want the truth or just want to live in a fantasy world? The Daily Beast is fake news, according to NewsGuard. So I'm not going to take them too seriously. But I want to say this. If you want to be taken seriously, if you want people to say, I hear you, man, we should help Ukraine. You need to have a conversation with the people who disagree with you. So you can actually say, here's my position. It's getting scary out there, man. And I think it will come here if conflict expands. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.